Welcome to the most muscleless and podcast in Bay Area sports. Welcome to with authority. The old uh, ones are getting shorter. You can go as long as you want. No, it's, time. I don't want people to have their earbuds shattered. That's fine. I'm Casey Pratt. That's Larry, Larry Beal. You're inside the ABC Seven Sports office, and I have something very important that Leonard has asked me to do today. Leonard is the super producer. Super producer Leonard. Him. You ready? Uh, what's that? Put on the specs. Does that make you look smarter? I hope so. <laughs> he said, you have to wear your glasses for this upcoming show. But so I did it. But you rarely wear glasses. No. So what is this? I don't understand. I don't know. But he said to do Maybe it, so Leonard I'm doing it. Maybe will explain. Maybe. Later. Sometime later well, when he asks a question. got a microphone, so he, he should be able to talk. Let's talk Warriors a little bit, because coming down the stretch here, as we tape, they're in the middle of a four-game road trip, which is quite taxing at Houston, at OKC, which is our Saturday game on ABC7, if you're listening to this or watching this before that game. Then Spurs and Minnesota back-to-back, so challenging, and you devise the... Dubs, Dynasty, Doomsday, Clock. Got it right first time. What's the clock set at right now? I I mean, three minutes? Is that a thing? Three minutes to midnight? Yeah, three minutes to the midnight. The real doomsday clock is at two minutes now. Two minutes to midnight. So we're doing Let's slightly see. better with the Dubs Dynasty doomsday clock than the actual doomsday clock. Then, yeah, mankind. Yeah, the mankind. The Warriors are doing slightly better than mankind. That makes sense. Yeah, I think they're doing a lot better than mankind, actually. But here's just the last week in Warriors glory, if we want to talk about that. We had a frustrating loss to the lowly Phoenix Suns, after which Clay comes out and rips the fans at home, which he later apologizes for with a tweet. In the same game, we had the Lip Reader's Delight. We had Kerr basically ripping Draymond. And then he joked about it. He was funny about it. This taxing four-game road trip. Oh, by the way, Kevin Durant hurt his ankle, and he's out. And I think Steph is tired because his shooting percentage has gone down. When I Again, I keep coming back to this. When I saw him in Charlotte at the All-Star game, he looked exhausted. And on his off days, he does nothing but a series of events. And I'll just say this. I talked with somebody who's extremely close to Steph Curry. And this person said to me, you know, Steph has been in the league. This is 10 years now. Yeah. Once you get to 30, things change. You have to start to regulate your time and restrict your time and say no to things because your body just doesn't react the same way. The other point that uh, – well, I, I made it to one of the assistant coaches. The fact that uh, – we, we talked about it last week, actually. They have played 83 extra games in the last four postseasons. That is the equivalent of one entire regular season. I think – it's reasonable to assume they are tired. Exhausted. And this is what happens when you have a dynasty. You play a lot of extra games. You get worn down a lot quicker. And that is why, as Steve Kerr says, you have the champagne at the end. This is hard. They've made it look so easy, but this is very, very hard to do. Now let's run back down that list. Clay Thompson's comments about the fans, maybe as prices go up, energy levels go down, but you just can't call out the fans I agree. You I really agree. just can't do it. Well, wait until you go to Chase Center and the, the prices balloon up to, I don't even know what the, what. I mean, it's going to be way more expensive to go to games there. So you may have a different fan base. The Warriors say, no, 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 a lot of our season ticket holders are, are coming to San Francisco, but 
we don't know what the acoustics of that building are going to be, and there's a lot of unknowns, so you don't know what the fan reaction is going to be. And we're going to be doing a show from the Chase Center this Saturday, so when you get there, just yell. <laughs> just, a, just yell so for about two hours, if and I we'll measure the acoustics. Get the reverb coming yeah. back to me. I know that it's just well walk built. all around screaming the whole time. A lot of concrete. Yeah, <laughs> more con- more concrete <laughs> means louder building. I like that. What I've been told. Loud is good. Now to talk about Draymond, I thought that could potentially be an explosive situation when Kerr was caught with the lip reading, essentially I'm so saying he's bleeping tired yes. of Draymond's bleep. Now Kerr ended up saying that that was a result of him arguing with the officials. Draymond played it off just fine, said he wasn't bothered at all, and bleep happens. And so you've seen these guys probably have much larger blowups than this, and they handled it very well. So that was the one thing that I thought could become very troubling, and it wasn't really troubling at all in the end. Well, I think Steve Kerr's overall message in that is correct, is they have to stop arguing with the refs. I mean, it seems like every call, and it's not like, have you ever seen where arguing with the ref makes the ref change the call. Like, oh, you're right. You didn't commit the foul. Oh, you're right. That wasn't travel. You end up with a technical. It never happens. So you might as well just just grumble to yourself and run back down court because, I mean, Draymond plays with a lot of energy. He brings a lot of pluses. But every time you go to the basket uh, and you yell, and one, at some point, if I'm I'm an official, I'm going to go, you know, I've heard that about a thousand times this season. And the past four years – I, I don't need to hear it again. And we're going to get to Boogie Cousins soon, but when he came and joined the Warriors, the funniest thing right from the jump was just him and Draymond jawing at the refs just nonstop the first game together. It really cracked me up because I think the two players that might wear the refs down the most in the league are now on the exact same roster. Well, and both of them, by reputation, will not get calls. Yeah. And I, I think that could be problematic once we get to the postseason. Absolutely. But we, we still got a ways to go before we get there. How about the Durant ankle situation, which is the great unknown? They say it's not serious, and he's been at practice and light shoot-around sort of thing, so we'll see. But until you see him back out on the court, it makes you nervous a little bit. And that's the foot he's had problems with in the past, too. So there's a lot of question marks there. I think that what you're seeing with Durant right now, though, is a lot like what we saw with DeMarcus Cousins in that they have the luxury of time and patience. As poorly as they seem to be playing right now, they have the luxury of time and patience with everybody. Once the finals or playoffs start and the finals hopefully end up coming, that's when they get serious. You do and you don't, though, because to a certain extent, you want to secure the number one seed. You've got Denver breathing down your neck. Houston's on a great charge. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to put yourself in the same spot you were in last year where you're in the Western Conference Finals and you're forced to play a game seven on the road. Yeah, but... It worked out. It was all right when it happened. They could be the two seed. As long as they they stay one or two, they're all right. And I think they will in the end because as bad as it gets, every time we try to tick that Dubs Dynasty Doomsday clock up, it seems to just start running itself right back. Nice for them. That is a great point. Every time it feels like, oh, no, it's over. I mean, look at how they're playing. They're disengaged. They're just – then they spring to life. Yeah. And – Everybody has more energy, and it's like, okay, we woke up from our nap. Now we have to play defense a little bit. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We'll see how it goes the final stretch of the season. Would you say they flipped the switch, or would you say they switched the flip? I think they I think they switched the flip. <laughs> I, think they, I think you coined it. You ought to make some T-shirts with We that. will have shirts someday. Yeah, I mean, Leonard will make sure of that. 17,000 of them laid out at Oracle for a playoff game. Switch, switch the flip! 
Wow, that's a beautiful segue. Yeah. To somebody we hope will switch the flip in the near future. I'm holding a DeMarcus Cousins bobblehead for you listening on audio only. For video, you get the luxury of yeah. seeing this majestic bobbling piece of treasure. You know what I realized? He's much bigger in person. He is. He's, he's huge. And as much as you see him, as you said when you talked to his agent, like a growling bear arguing and, and intimidating and being large on the court, when we met with him in person at the Warriors practice facility, I wasn't quite ready for what we ended up getting and talking to him. He was charming. Hilarious. That's what people who know him say he is when he's not screaming at a ref. So we spent 15 minutes with Boogie Cousins. He will be our very first guest on this podcast, and we are only supposed to have 10. Is that so? Yeah. I didn't realize that. I just kept asking questions. I had no idea there was a time limit. He liked us so much that he let us ask him way more questions than we were supposed to and take a listen. Everybody knows you as DeMarcus Cousins, also known as Boogie Cousins, also known as Big Cuz, also known as Santa Cuz, (laughs) also known as Boogie Smooth. Right. And my question to you is... Which of those names do you use when you check into a hotel on the road? None of them. None of them? None of them. So you go with the same one that I go with, Jonas Derebko? Yeah, I, I got my little alias, so uh, we're going to leave it at that. Oh, all right, all right. We don't want to give up yeah, your alias. So. We don't want any uh, crazies popping up at the hotel room, so. Yeah, that'd be a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So I was talking with your agent last night, and he said, the funny thing about DeMarcus is, on the court, he looks like this big growling bear, but actually, he just loves laughing and loves making people laugh. And where did that come from? Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I guess you could say kind of the life of the party. You know, I'm, I'm always the loud guy in the room, uh, always making jokes, always cracking jokes. Uh, I like to see people smiling, having fun. Uh, that's just always been me. So. Uh, I mean, and, it's, and you usually get that side of me when I get comfortable around somebody. If I don't really know you that well, I'm kind of, you know, in a shell and to myself and quiet around you. But, uh, you know, once I kind of open up, that's that's usually who I am. I'm not going to ask you, April 11th, 7.30 p.m., mm. Paramount Theater, which is a really nice theater, you're doing your third annual Boogie's Comedy Slam. Now you've done this Sacramento, New Orleans, now Oakland. So, like, where did this come from? How did it come to be? I know you like making people laugh and being mm. around people, but... Uh, well, one, I, growing up as a kid, it was a show that used to come on called Comic View. It was, it would, it came on, you know, throughout the week, and it would just be different comics that would come on and, and, and go on stage and perform. And you know, it was just, it was like one of my favorite shows growing up. And uh, I've always been a huge fan of like comedy specials and uh, stand-up uh, comedies or whatever the case may be. So, uh, you know, like I said, I've always been a fan and. Uh, you know, I actually was inspired by Shaquille O'Neal because he came out with, you know, kind of a series of his own with, with the stand-up comedies. And, um, you know, I just and, – and it kind of died out. And I was like, you know, why not come out with my own version? And, um, you know, eventually we kind of tried it out the past two years. And now we're, we've upgraded to, you know, a production company and all of that. So, uh, you know, I'm excited about it. And, uh, you know, hopefully it's a success. Now your headliner's Mike Epps, right? Yes. Like – 
this won't happen, but what if Mike Epps couldn't make it and you had to pick one of your Warriors teammates? Like, who could possibly survive a comedy set on this roster? Because that's not easy. Oh, uh, I, would, I would definitely go with Andre. Uh, just put him up on stage and just have him just talk and, and just be himself. So I, I think he can hold his own for sure. Yeah, I mean, what do you think is harder? Basketball or standing on stage and trying to deliver a comedy set? Uh, I, w- I would probably go with... You know, being a comedian, I mean, you you had to control the entire crowd. You have to, you know, you got to kind of cater to the crowd as well. Uh, basketball, you just go out and perform. I mean, regardless if you score 40 or 30 or 20, it's going to be a guy out there that dislikes you. <laughs> and it's going to be a guy out there that loves you. Comedian, uh, it's kind of based off the crowd. So it, it can go good or bad for you. So I, I would go with the comedian. Just to clarify, were you talking about the reps there? <laughs> no, no, not at all. Not at all. No, 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 no. Okay, I, just uh, want, no. I want them all to know that that was not the best. No, uh, number love for the refs. <laughs> of course, always, right? right it doesn't right. matter what happens. They're yeah, always, they're always expected. right. They're always perfect. Yeah, always. always. They do an excellent job, I think. I agree. Difficult circumstances. I agree, I agree. Um, <laughs> do you have a set? Like, do you have jokes? No, I'm... I just want to sit back and enjoy the show and laugh and, you know, just have a good time. Uh, I, leave, I leave the professionals to, uh, to do that part. Who do you think, if you, if you had to include the coaching staff in that, who's the funniest amongst the coaches? Because oh. each of them has their own little different wrinkle to it. Yeah. I mean, Steve is kind of intellectual funny. Uh-huh. Um, Ron Adams is, has uh, some moments, but but what do you think? I'm, I'm gonna go with Mike Brown or, or JC. Yeah, Collins. yeah. The uh, Mike is hilarious, and JC's just like goofy in his own little way. I mean, you gotta kind of be around him a, a lot to know it, and he's kind of sneaky about it. So uh, I would have to go with one of those two. Didn't he intern with us, Jaron yeah, Collins? Jaron Collins was one of our interns. I wish I could have seen that. Well, <laughs> think about this: he and Jason. His seven-foot twin right. were both interns, so the ABC Seven intramural basketball team that season was not to be messed with. <laughs> I mean, we just dump it into the post. That's a, I could tell you, it's a, it was a, a lot of fouls between the two. Well, yeah. a lot of trash talking. Yeah. I mean, still, that is still going on to this day. Right. Um, aside from the humor, what have you learned this season? Because I, I would have thought, especially. From the past, like when you look at this from the outside, people say, wow, this is like basketball in Nirvana. Uh-huh. And then it's not as funny and as smooth as you might have expected. Yeah, of course not. And um, with that being said, it's a, it, what comes with making this this machine work, it, it starts with sacrifice, obviously. Uh, you know, every night's not your night. Uh, you know, uh, some nights is Clay, some nights is Steph, some nights is Kay, some nights is me, some nights is Draymond. It, it just it depends on the night, and uh, it's all about you know making a play for the next guy. It's all about sacrificing for the betterment of the team, doing what's best for the team, and um, that's something that you grow to appreciate, you know, with being around this group of guys. And, um, and at the end of the day, we all got one goal, and that's winning games. And the ultimate goal is winning the championship. So. Uh, that's what I've learned. What kind of adjustment is that for you, though? You landed in a place where the regular season is essentially practice for the playoffs. I mean, it's a completely different situation than what you've been in before. Yeah. So it's a great landing spot. Yeah, um, it's definitely a, 
a learning curve for me because I've been in obviously different situations in the past. Uh, you know, regular season was almost a, a fight and a struggle in itself, and, and then you come here and it's kind of a breeze, and they're preparing for the, the long haul or, or I guess the second half of the season, if you could say. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's different, but uh, it's, it's been fun. I, I've learned a lot. I, I, this experience has been incredible. So, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to that second half, the, the other half of the season. So, uh it's a long season in itself, for sure. Can I get on basketball again for a second? Let's do it. I heard that your favorite comedian, your comedic influence, so to speak, was Martin Lawrence. I love Martin Lawrence. You love the show, right? Yeah, that's, to this day, that's my favorite show. Have you ever seen the episode where he has to deliver a baby? Uh, if you haven't, Google the clip, because that, like, to me, will always stand out. As where he had to funny. deliver the baby. He deliver a baby. And it's like... Yeah, it was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. No, I don't remember that. For some reason. Nah, yeah, I gotta see. Yeah. I think I know what the answer to this would be outside of Martin Lawrence, and I know who it would be for me. Oh. If we could have one comedian right now walk in and, and do a set, who would you want it to be? Outside of Martin Lawrence? Like, yeah, who would you pay, who would you pay to actually see? Ah oh, well, I'm I I'm a fan of a lot of comedians. So, hey, give me a list. Uh, well, obviously Mike Gibbs. I love Tony Roberts. Uh, huge Kevin Hart fan. Uh, Arnez J. Uh, uh, Ricky Smiley, the hometown guy. Uh, man, you're missing, you're missing a big one off the top. That I I'm think, missing a big one. I'm missing a big one. Uh, I would go. Right I wish now. I could see a Richard Pryor. Uh, I love Eddie Murphy. Um. Who you say I'm missing? Dave Chappelle. Oh, obviously Dave. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like right now? Yeah. Like if he walked in right now, the whole, everybody would just stop. Oh, like, for sure. Like, like, like Alfonso would stop shooting right now. Oh, for like, sure. It doesn't matter. For sure. Like, yeah. Just, we would stop taping. Yeah. We would, or just, I would just go like this. <laughs> would you record some of that? I totally agree. Yeah, for sure. Uh, best thing about being 6'11", worst thing about being 6'11". Best thing about being 6'11", uh, never have a problem reaching anything, <laughs> I guess you could say. The <laughs> worst thing about 6'11". Uh, you always stand up. Always. And that's not always great. Yeah, not always great. What's the funniest thing you've been a part of since joining the Warriors? I have an idea. I've seen you a lot of practice, so... I have an idea what I think the funniest thing I've seen you do is, but I want to know what you think it is. It's probably one of the daily arguments me and Draymond have. <laughs> <laughs> we literally argue every day about any and everything, so we'll probably start with, with that. Yeah. What you got for me? All right, so the other day, we were all standing over there. We were waiting for you to come talk. We heard you are going to come talk, and then Raymond comes up to you, <laughs> and I saw you book it. <laughs> All the way back here, all the way back over there, he's trying to stop. Yeah. Everyone was in hysterics, and I think we don't get a glimpse of that a lot. But yeah. That's one of the funniest things. I've yeah, seen. Me, and, me and Raymond have a bit of a love hate relationship. <laughs> so do we. Yeah. So do we. <laughs> yeah. But you showed excellent agility and mobility. I thought you, you tested the Achilles there oh, very yeah. well, side to side. 
you know, a little slide, a little acceleration. You got to get the burst. Yeah. It's all fair. Yeah, Raymond's my little practice dummy, so yeah, I get I get some I get some work in when he's involved. We'll pull that clip and run it all the time. <laughs> and, and we will show practice dummy to him over and over, and over. Yeah. especially the dummy part. That's so we're gonna we're gonna show that. <laughs> I don't think he would appreciate that. Well, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter. We've been working with him so long. So it's interesting. The timing of your comedy show is right after the regular season ends mm. and right before the playoffs begin. Mm. How will that get your mind ready for what's coming? Um. You know, it's, like I said, we it's, it's been a, it's been a long season for the guys, and uh, you know, just to just to come off of that, and you know, kind of be able to let our hair down for a day, and you know, just enjoy the the, the, uh, the event, and you know, laughter, smiles, just to ease your mind, and uh, you know, get ready for this long haul that's ahead. Right. Now I said we won't ask too many basketball questions, but I want to ask you this: You're doing a basketball camp coming up, and I know it's a thing you do every year, right? Uh-huh. So, I mean, in a completely different way, how does that kind of give back and give you an opportunity to interact with some of the youth? And kind of um, you know, the, the youth is very important to me. Um, I've said it time and time again, the, the youth is obviously our future. Uh, just presenting, you know, opportunity, uh, you know, belief, uh, how, these, how these kids believing in themselves. Uh, I can only imagine what how much things would have been easier for me if I just was presented an opportunity or, or, or had a guy of my stature, per se, to come in and, and tell me the things I needed to hear. So uh, just presenting those type of you know opportunities and chances for the kids, and hopefully it makes a difference for them. It's great you do that. Yeah. You do so much off the court. I know in Sacramento you did a ton. Mm-hmm. Same thing back what motivates you? Is it just your own upbringing, or you just seen a bunch of kids that have potential? What is it? Uh, my own upbringing. I know how tough it was for me. Um, I know how many kids get kind of, you know, per se, left behind or, or forgotten about. And um, you know, I, those are the kids I want to reach out to. Those are the kids I want to help. Because, like I said, at, at one point I was one of those kids, and um, you know, like I said. If I was just given an opportunity, I know how much easier things would have been for me, and I just want to make that chance easier for these this next generation and so on and so forth. Can we? Can we? I gotta ask you about Boogie Smooth because this was a video that you made yeah. a few years ago, a prank video, getting set for an April Fool's Day bit where you were playing the piano and you had a bunch of, of rappers and producers talking you up as how you're gonna drop this single and it's coming soon and yeah. these these talents we did not know that you had <laughs> and maybe don't have no nah, I, I, I don't at so all how did, that, how did that come about I'm just a guy I, my 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 music variety is just like all over the place so uh, I love R&B I love hip hop I love I love all types of music so uh, these days I just have R&B playing all day and you know, I just kind of got the name Boogie Smooth or whatever the case may be. So uh, this is kind of stuck, and we just turned it into a little joke, a little prank, and, uh, you know, just kind of ran with it. You got more coming? You got more videos in the, in the works? Uh, as of right now, no, but uh, you never know. <laughs> when we do your highlights on TV, which of the nicknames that I use do you want us to go with? Uh, take your pick, man. <laughs> Because I heard you like Big Cuz better. Than I mean, that's it. Th- that's that's my my childhood name. That's that's what family calls me. So, uh, I mean, like I said, take your pick though. I've heard it all. I kind of like. Boogie smooth. <laughs> like I said, take your pick. A nice a nice spin move 
on the post. Yeah. <laughs> How good does that sound? Sounds pretty good, man. Thank you for the time. Yes, sir. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. Thank you. Boogie Cousins, what's your takeaway from Boogie and our conversation? I thought that we had a great time. I thought going in, trying to ask him a majority of comedy questions, even though he's doing that comedy show, might be a little tricky with somebody, but he does not seem to take himself that seriously. And the coolest thing for me is after the interview, we posted it. He liked it. He retweeted it. And then later he sent another tweet using the video of us to promote his comedy show. That was really cool. I think cool. he had a good time. He absolutely did. And I really like the nickname Boogie Swoon. Absolutely. It's perfect for highlights. And you know what else I should mention? Yeah. The night after that interview, after we took up an extra five-plus minutes of his time that we weren't supposed to, he had 13.6 rebounds, six assists, six blocks. Might have been the best game of the season for him. So the, with authority, karma, right from the jump. You want to take credit for his good game? Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Well, that is that's that's low but we'll go with it we'll go with it <laughs> what jumped out to you the most just that he was so engaging and obviously we were there to help him promote his upcoming event which is for charity and he does so much off the court sometimes some of the on-court stuff overshadows all the good that he does in a lot of communities sacramento and alabama and he's, he's getting started here but he's a gentle giant i mean he's just fun to be around and we had a great time we probably could have kept talking for another 10 or 15 minutes. Easily. Yeah. Easily. Maybe we'll have him back on. He'll be our second ever guest. I think Andrew Bogut might be our second ever guest. We're working on that. The big Aussie. Yeah. From down under. We'll mate. see how happy Cousins is when mate. when the big Aussie rolls yeah, around. That, that, yeah, we'll see. But I think he should be confident in his own game. No, no question. Want to talk uh, football? Because this is a big week. Imagine yes. if Boogie Cousins played offensive tackle, how much he'd get paid. That would be huge, literally. And you know what? The NFL free agency frenzy is crazy. By the time we post this, there will be like 15 more moves. It's been nuts. The Niners, the Raiders, it's hard to keep it straight, to be honest, with all the rumors, all the signings, and everything that's happening. But the Raiders, for me right now, they're crushing it. They're having a great offseason. Yeah, I'm shocked, actually, because I was pretty down on the whole Gruden situation and the moves they made with Khalil Mack and trading away Amari Cooper and all of that, and I just thought, I hope Mike Mayock can save John Gruden from himself. And maybe he has already. Because they only gave up a third and a fifth round pick to get one of the best receivers in football. The whole Antonio Brown thing is kind of crazy because he was acting. I mean, he was doing anything he could <laughs> just to get out of Pittsburgh, in, including Mr. Big Checks. <laughs> Mr. Big Chest. I'm not even sure if it's chess Which or one checks. Is it? I don't know. It, could it be doesn't both. even matter. It's both now. Actually, he's got a new deal worth <laughs> yes. $50 million. And he still has a big chest. Yes. Um, but he was acting like crazy and and dying his mustache blonde, which it's I don't not even a good look. know what was going on with there, but seemed to just be – and I thought, is he nuts? I mean, what's wrong with this guy? And then I actually watched an Instagram live feed from his house in Miami, which is <laughs> unbelievable. His house is crazy. But he has – it's like Disneyland in his backyard with this gigantic – pool and uh, slide set and it's like four people can go down the slide everybody has an individual slide oh man it's, uh, it's really cool we should need our own slides here <laughs> yeah we got a nerf hoop i think we're gonna That's have to be happy with that yeah but anyway uh, he seemed pretty normal at that point just having a fun day with his kids and then when he showed up at the raiders complex and, and he came out of the blue for the raiders they said 
that they had really no intent of pursuing him, then once it became a possibility, we get A.B. You change everything for that. get a guy who's over the past six years has averaged over 100 catches and 1,500 yards per season coming off a 15-touchdown year. I mean, you're giving up two draft picks. You made the, the great point about a third and a fifth. It's ridiculous. And they have three first-round picks this year. They didn't, they didn't even have to give up one of them to get Antonio Brown. Right. This is a Hall of Fame wide receiver potentially in well, his prime. He's very good. Yeah, and they're throwing around crazy money, though. I mean, Trent Brown, whom the Niners didn't want because they thought he was too big and slow for and then he their style. dominated for New England. And won a ring, and now he's back on the other side of the bay, at least for one season. But I think his deal is 66 mil, okay? And you got Tyrell Williams, who got four for 44, 22 mil guaranteed. Their guarantees on these three deals are $93 million, contracts that could be worth. You know, you don't really know what actual value is until you read the fine print mm -hmm. on the NFL yeah, deals. All guaranteed. that matters is guaranteed money. But if everybody were to hit their escalators, it's, it's close to $140 million for three dudes. That's a lot of money. Substantial. But so, it's a substantial upgrade commitment to excellence absolutely now are they trying to show out here in their last year in oakland or are they trying to build something nice going into vegas i think yes and yes i think both yeah you have to have some star power going in you can't go into vegas three and 13 no. with some ridiculous terrible record and last again. year was just a disaster and so this gives them some sizzle absolutely you've got assuming Derek carr can be the quarterback that they're paying him to be you've got an unbelievable target in Antonio Brown, and now you've got a, you've got a lot of other pieces. We don't know what they're really doing in the backfield yet. We don't know what the other wide receivers will be. Uh, defensively, they obviously need a lot of help. So, mm -hmm. but that's why you have all these draft picks. We'll see how they manipulate the board on draft day because they're they're going to have plenty of opportunities. Yeah. So let's let's run down that real quick. Here are their 2019 draft picks right now. Round one, pick four. Round one. Number 24, round one, 27, round two, 35. So that's four picks in the first 35. Then they have a fourth round, a fifth round, and two sevens. So they have a lot of opportunities to build their defense. Now, one thing that I liked in listening to Antonio Brown's press conference today, he showed up very humble. He said that he's going to be out there with the best work ethic. He wants everybody in the team to see how he is on the field, not think about the crazy off-season stuff we saw, which I think actually was just a brilliant negotiating ploy to get himself off the Steelers to get his value lower so he could leave the Steelers, which worked beautifully for him. Well, he seemed to be devaluing himself. and imagine Wisely so, because he ended up getting a deal anyways. Yeah, no, I mean, the Steelers had to be just pulling their hair out because, like, with every social media post, it's like, this guy's making it impossible for and us. They, they would have wanted to get a first-round pick back for him. Yeah, and no so chance you, now. You think about a third and a fifth. Look at all it's the first-round busts yeah. every single year to give him a third and a fifth. There's nothing. No, yeah, there's no, no guarantees, no even brainer. in the first round. And I know people overvalue these first-round picks. There's no guarantees there. Now, check this out. One point I like about Antonio Brown is he's going to elevate everything. You take Brown, he's going to make Carr better. Sure. The other Brown's going to make Carr better, too. And so once the offense is better, then the defense gets a little less pressure. And it's going to have a trickle-down effect. So – I think if you look at Derek Carr, 18th in the NFL in deep ball attempts. He averaged seven yards per attempt last season. That was 18th in the NFL. Air yards per attempt, 3.8.
That's not a lot of deep that's, passes. That doesn't sound 3. good. 3.8. That's from here that's to that camera over there, if you're listening yeah. on the podcast. That's not very far. So I think when you have Antonio Brown and then you also get Tyrell Williams, who's a fantastic receiver too, made a lot of big plays for the Chargers, especially down the stretch in important games. Carr can now air it out a bit. It's going to take a lot of pressure off everybody. It's going to take pressure off the running game. It's going to take pressure off the whole team. And I think that if you can stack some nice picks defensively here, the Raiders could turn it around pretty quickly. And I was ready to write them off completely. I I think they should be shooting for 3.9 per attempt. I think that's attainable. I think that's absolutely attainable. Yeah, 3.8 is not very much. Three guys does not make a team, so they've got a lot of other holes to fill. But – it actually is a sign that they know what they're doing or they seem to have a plan, and I think that's good news for fans of the silver and black. And before we move on, I can't possibly get out of here without saying this. Antonio Brown won me a fantasy football championship last season. And I'm going to remind Larry Beal of this every time I have a chance because I offered him Antonio Brown for Le'Veon Bell straight up. Le'Veon Bell never played. Brown won me the championship. Power, dynamic, switched in the league champion right here yeah i i'm going to live with this for many many, many every time years. i get a chance yeah. no, uh, ab killed me <laughs> killed my, <laughs> the fact that i did not make that trade and Le'Veon bell set out the whole season and i think he made a huge i mean it's not not part of this show but you know that's 14 million he'll never get back i know he's, his body's going to be fresher with the jets but come on it's almost time to tell a story, but yeah. before we go, I'm going to tell one quick story about that fantasy championship while I have the mic here. Oh, come on. Uh, this is like... Antonio Brown was so good in the championship game that I took a nap. I didn't even have to watch anymore, and we won. That was it. All right, this is so, cruel and unusual punishment. You're just going to keep... I mean, how many months ago was that? It doesn't matter. This is the whole point of the podcast. We hold you hostage, and then we say things that you don't want to hear. Yeah. So when we interviewed Boogie Cousins, he's kind of known to be a little bit of a mercurial athlete. On the court. I think on the court, the court but he wasn't. But I think that being in the industry as long as you and I have now, I think we've run into some mercurial athletes before. So for Tell Me a Story, I thought it would be fun for each of us to tell a story about maybe getting yelled at or upsetting a professional athlete in the field. Do you want to go first? No, you should go first. I'll go first. All right. So this was about 2005 or six. I was a young go-hard at the time. I think that's what the kids say now. Is that, is that try, accurate? Try-hard. Try-hard, go-hard. Try go I think go-hard. So are you not trying hard now? Definitely not trying hard now. Is I'm totally it mailing it in. It's a try-hard. Whatever. I'll go hard. It's way okay. funnier. So I was in the A's clubhouse after a game pitched by Joe Kennedy. Rest in peace. He actually had a great start that day. And here comes little Casey to rain on the parade. Uh, so Joe Blanton was hurt at the time, and he was coming back soon. And he essentially was having his uh, rotation spot occupied by Joe Kennedy. So after he pitched really well, my dumb question – and, yes, there are no dumb questions, but when you're a reporter, there absolutely are dumb questions. Like in life, you, you know, it's good to ask questions. Yeah. Um, so I asked him if he pitched well because he felt the pressure to perform – to keep his rotation spot for Joe Blanton, and he did not like that question. He, he was mad at me. So did he yell at you? I – not like super like he yelled at me, but he, he clearly uh, was frustrated and uh, let it be clear in his response. And this was, what, at least 13 years ago. So I cannot remember the exact words uttered, but I do remember the sentiment of the fact that my question, not good. 
not good on that day. So I, I apologize for that. You know, th the fact of the matter is, if you do what we do every single day, every question is not going to be great. Just because the law of averages. Oh, yeah. I remember the All-Star game a couple of years ago. I was trying to ask uh, Draymond a question, and uh, it was not a well-phrased question. <laughs> and he just pounced on me. He, and, and so, I mean, I laugh about it, but uh, – you can't be perfect. I mean, it's it's hard to be perfect if you're asking these questions. And some athletes are fantastic about it. They kind of pick up yeah, where you're going you with it, and yeah, they just they screwed, bail you, you out. Screwed it up. And you they'll and they'll finish like kind of for you. And, and like Bob Melvin's the master of that. No matter how jumbled your question starts coming out, he'll he'll get the sense of it. Just cut you right off and answer it. Right. Like he's a pro's pro. Um, but yeah, uh, some athletes will take that opportunity and jump all over it. And I've actually seen Boogie do that a lot. When when I was. Um, we had to launch the Sacramento Kings TV broadcast after the Maloofs bought the Kings. And I had to institute a full-blown um, filter for DeMarcus Cousins whenever he spoke. We had to run all of his interviews time-shifted on tape. Like a seven-second delay kind oh, of thing? Worse, because, yeah, he would drop a lot of, a lot F of profanities. F-words. Yeah. So what about you? What do you, what do you think well, you're— Well, I, I also had a situation with an A's pitcher that I don't want to reveal. But um, he didn't like my line of questioning. And— um, said some things after we stopped rolling and I was kind of at a time in my life where I probably just should have turned around but I didn't and I was like <laughs> oh and, he, no. and he was not happy and I was like I'm right here you want it you, we could settle this mm. and um, Dave Stewart actually uh helped to calm things down. And, Stu, uh, what a great and, guy. And, and, and <laughs> Stu, um, anyway. You're lucky you didn't try that with the 70s A's. Yeah, there's some <laughs> volatile dudes. But, um, <laughs> but I'll, I'll, give you one, I'll give you one real good story. This was back when I was at SportsCenter, and uh, I was doing an Atlanta Hawks highlight, and at the time Mike Fratello was the coach. And because of injuries and what have you, he was taking the air out of the ball. They were trying to, you know, win games like 80 to 79, that sort of thing. It was really boring, and I made a comment on, on SportsCenter and then came back to a voicemail message <laughs> of, of Mike Fratello, and he was all <laughs> upset. And they we, ended up, we ended up talking, and, uh, and he, he was like, Larry, look at my roster. Could, could you coach us? How, what, how, do you, how do you think I should play? How do you think I should go up-tempo? We'll lose by 30. Every night. And I was like <laughs> – you're right, Coach. You're right. I, I, I'm Mr. sorry. I shouldn't have, should have said that. I'm sorry. So he turned you into Paul Bearer? <laughs> <laughs> My um, oh, wow. No, but I was very sheepish in the response. Yeah. He, he was right. I, you know, I was young, and I was taking a shot, um, and he was right. Uh, so I apologize again. Wow. I'm sorry, Coach. We might have to apologize after. After we get this question from Leonard, who now has his very own microphone. Yeah. Yes, I do. That he does not like. No, but it's fine. Um, okay. You guys into Netflix at all? Watch Netflix? A little bit. A little bit. Definitely. Little bit. Okay. So on there, there is a show called Umbrella Academy. It's oh more boy. superhero-esque. All right. This, okay. is go this is going somewhere, I promise. Okay. Um, one of the characters can kind of jump through time. Mm. But the problem is that he gets stuck there. Uh-oh. So, you have to choose which, when you want to go back to a specific uh, moment in sports history. But remember, you're stuck there forever. 
after and forever forever the rest of your life you are living out in that time so you have to choose that moment in sports history to jump back to but you're stuck there forever but does it was it like like Groundhog's Day, where this it's the same day over and over again, or do you nope, age you from, do that, age moment from that moment on? So you get to relive multiple decades of sports history, then, right? Yeah. It's a horrible question, Leonard. It's an interesting I'm just question. It's a great question. Philosophically, it's very but think about this because the internet is now 30 years old. Yeah. If you went back 30 years, I, I'm not even thinking about it from a sports perspective. I'm just thinking about if you just bought Google stock. Yeah, see, that's exactly where I would go. I'm not doing any more podcasts. I'll tell you that. I'll tell you this. So, as a as a person that did a lot of A's production, I was lucky enough to do a documentary on the '70s A's. I was not alive when they played baseball, but I got to talk to every single one of them, learn every last thing about the team, and study it up. I would go back to the A's of the '70s, '72, '73, '74. I would do it because a I think it would be awesome to experience and see all the fights and all the crazy stuff, but also I know who won every single game, and I pretty much know the scores. So I would just bet the house every I single think. night until I was rich, and then I'd open Biff's Casino like in Back to the Future, and then uh, I'd eventually you know, start Google. And This is like kind of like Hot Tub Time Machine. Yeah, it is. I, I think what's interesting is that we both took Leonard's question and morphed it into how we could just get rich. Rich, yes. Which seems to, it's a recurring theme in this office. Which is exactly why we're doing this podcast. <laughs> Cha-ching! Yeah. Yes, exactly. Cash money. Revenue. Uh, I probably would go back to the roughly the same time period, but just to see in person if I could see Muhammad Ali in his prime. Yeah. Because that's a one guy who I, uh, I, I wasn't doing this. I was a kid. But uh, would have liked to have been around mm-hmm. just to interact with. Now, I don't know if that would have been possible, but just to see him uh, versus Joe Frazier. And uh, it, it would have been fascinating just to, to be able to, to see what his life was like and, you know, maybe do interviews with him. I think our own Spencer Christian might have done a few. I know he did with Howard Cosell, who, um, you know, was involved in a lot of uh, Ali's fights. And Muhammad Ali was a sound bite machine. For sure. I mean, as good as he was in the ring, he was as good a talker, too. No question. Exciting. So that was Ask Us Anything. And now we're going to do news story. I love it. Let's so, hear it. So I, I don't even know what's coming I here. I was this torn is good. on this because uh, as we tape this, Facebook and Instagram were down today. Hallelujah. Which, which I think as just a, an experiment for humanity, let's turn it off for a week. I'm with let's it. see what happens for a week. And everybody can go back to their lives pre-social media and see if we actually like talk to one another mm-hmm. instead of ridiculous, stupid posts about nothing and inviting and all that stuff. So anyway, this sad incident would have been avoided if Facebook and Instagram were not around. This is not even really the one that I wanted to do. But this, did you see the story about the, the Arizona woman? who was trying to take a selfie in a zoo. Oh, the jaguar thing, right? The jaguar, yeah. And so she uh, climbed over some sort of retaining wall, and the jaguar said, ha-ha, lunch. He said, this is my yard. He said, yeah, it's like Mark Canna. Yeah, went, this like is Mark my Canna. house. Yeah. Uh, and anyway, so she got, uh, her arm got bitten, Oops. and, uh, and the, you know, they were fortunately, uh, another person distracted the Jaguar with something, mm. uh, I think a water bottle or something. Her other arm. <laughs> which was which she picked up off the ground. No, that did Letter. not happen. <laughs> uh, but, but the moral of the story is Jaguars don't care how many followers you have. No. Nope. They would like to eat them. But that is not even the story that I was going to do. 
uh, that was just paper. because that yeah. was uh, so the story that I find a lot of people are fascinated with this week is this whole college admissions cheating scandal and this guy has been indicted uh, William Rick Singer apparently has been in this business for 25 years where Man. he would figure out a way to either bribe officials to doctor SAT scores uh, get kids scores higher or in some cases uh, have the proctors correct their answers on scores Man. in other cases paying coaches to let's say um, in fact the water polo coach I believe at USC won 14 national titles has been caught up in this thing and got indicted so it's not like just random dudes this is a guy who's at the top of his profession but they would have parents photoshopping the kids like this <laughs> like little johnny is a soccer star at his school except he doesn't play soccer at all he's 411 but he's the starting <laughs> center on, on the, the basketball, basketball team. <laughs> all this stuff is going on but the the outrageous thing is there was one parent who uh, paid 1.2 million dollars to try to get their kid into yale oh. and it says that now i didn't read the whole indictment but some parents spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, one as much as $6.5 million wow. to get their kid into, and these are prestigious schools, Yale, uh, USC. I mean, it's crazy. Uh, but uh, the, the funny thing about this is there was one guy, one father, who complained because he was rigging his daughter's SAT. Yeah. Okay. And then he called up to complain afterwards that her score wasn't high enough in the fake test. Uh. He's like... 1600 is the max. Why didn't you give her 1550? Instead, I think she got 1380. So this dad, who was breaking all the rules, wanted more bang for his buck. And I, I remember the thing that jumped out to me about this story is one person had paid $500,000, I believe, to get their kid into Stanford, and then they never even applied. Yeah, Could you imagine if, if you're the dad, you're like, I, I really think you should go to Stanford, young yeah. Johnny. Yeah. He's Come like, on, I don't on, really want to go. But nah, Stanford, nah, please. Nah. Arizona State, I want to party. He paid 500000 and they never even applied to go there. Listen, but uh, your, your kids are young. Wait till you get to the college entrance stuff. It's, you just, it's the most frustrating thing in the world. I remember, I'll just say, finish it up with, we, we went on a visit with my youngest daughter to UCLA, and it's really hard to get into any of the UCs. UCLA is right at the top. And you go into these seminars, you know, kind of like the campus tour, and they have a big video screen, and they show, this is the kind of kid we're looking for. <laughs> and so it's a kid whose parents did not speak English. He came into this country, taught himself English. Then he developed an app for something that was making millions of dollars while he was a kid in school at UCLA. And I'm like, this is the average kid, and I looked at I looked at, at my daughter Nikki, and I said, "There's no, there's no." I mean, <laughs> you looked I mean, at her like, Let's like leave. Yeah, no shot. I mean, <laughs> I love Nikki, but she she has not solved global warming. Okay, she has not saved the whales. She's not gotten plastic out of the oceans. If you need uh, a back handspring uh, into a round off and then a split, we got that. But you know, unless you're saving the world, it's hard to get into some of these schools. So. It's it's crazy the pressure on the kids mm -hmm. because you have to you have to be Superman to get the attention of these schools and it, there's no transparency you don't know why you get rejected in some cases and you know why some get in because their dad is paying a million bucks and I'm going to give all you young folks listening at home on this podcast or in your car a little life hack I went to community college for four years 
And then I went to SF State. For four years? Legit. Why did you four go years. To I didn't know what I wanted to do. Go for two years I wasn't going to waste college. my family's money on a real school when I didn't even know what I wanted to do with my life anyways. But you, I didn't have to do admissions. I didn't have to deal with anything. I figured it out at community college. Then I went to SF State. I was producing sports in this very department before I had even graduated college. But, but what, four years at a community college seems Heck like yeah. a, a, an extraordinarily long period. Isn't that just junior college? Yeah. So you're supposed to spend two years at junior oh college. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you spent four years? <laughs> yeah. That must have been pre-glasses because you couldn't have If been I had my glasses, glasses, I would have been out in like a month like Doogie Howser, MD. That's a good place to stop. That's a good place, yes, absolutely. But anyways, if you don't want to deal with admissions, if you don't want to deal with a lot of money, Community college is all right. Well, it's not bad. Four years in community college is going to come back to haunt you in future podcasts. And that I turned out great. <laughs> and, <here you> are. <laughs> and now he's got his own podcast. Look at that. And I have a DeMarcus Cousins podcast. Wow, what a show. Boogie, our first ever guest. We can't thank you enough. Boogie's Comedy Slam, April 11th, 7.30 p.m. Uh, yeah, subscribe. Download. Download and don't listen. Download and listen. Subscribe and listen. Do whatever you got to do, except don't forget to hit the subscribe button. Right in there.